Father, we come before you this morning. This is a time that we have once again dedicated to the worship of the God of heaven. Lord, we're thankful that there only is one God. We're thankful that in this place there's no discussion and no debate upon who he is and what his name might be. Lord, we're thankful that your word teaches us all we need to know about you. Lord, we ask that you would join us together today, those that are saved and baptized and serving you as members of the church. We thank you for the visitors that are here. Lord, we ask that together we would raise uh, a, a spirit of praise, of singing these songs to you, to glorify you. Lord, we pray that they'd be more than just words on a page, that from our hearts, we would understand that we must trust you and obey you each day. We're thankful that my hope is not in some man-made organization, not in government, not in anything except the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask now that we would glorify him. And in order for us to do that, Lord, you must convict us of our sin and our failures. And we must confess and forsake them that we could be vessels that you could use. We ask that you would send us forth from this place to worship you and give a testimony of your goodness to the world in which we live. We ask that everything that be done today would be done to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be Those, if you would, and turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. I pray that the words of that song are true in the heart and soul of each one here today. And if they're not, that there would be some time, and, and I pray that through the preaching of the word, that we'll present a way that you can get that problem fixed with your soul, whether it be salvation or sin, uh, as we look in this psalm, it starts out with some words that we would do well to take heed to, words that we need to live every day, words that we probably have disobeyed greatly this past week. Verse 1 of Psalm 37 says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. I mean, our news this week was just full of Bernie Madoff. Talk about an evildoer. Uh, you can't get much worse than what he did. And everybody did all of that anger and angst and frustration and hatred and uh, everything else that was leveled at that man. Did that bring one dollar back that he stole? I heard one guy saying it was really good to see him marched out of court in handcuffs. But it's not going to get you back one dollar that he stole from you, is it? It says here, fret not thyself. That's worry. That's what causes you to need to go to the drugstore and buy Maalox or whatever brand name anti-acid that you use. Um, uh, the 
thing that we're looking here is this is a psalm. This was actually a song that was written by David. David certainly had enough opportunity in his life to fret himself because of evildoers. Amen? He was chased by Saul, hunted for no good reason. His own son Absalom tried to take the kingdom away from him. There were many, many things in David's life. It said when the Philistines heard that he became king of all Israel, they came to seek David. Uh, It wasn't because they were wanting to renew friendships, by the way. Uh, They wanted to kill David. They wanted to get rid of this man. And David is writing these words under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And we're not, uh, we just because of time constraint, uh, cannot cover every verse that is in this psalm. But what I want us to spend the main part of our time on this morning are the commands that are in this psalm. Uh, if you uh, understand the English language, uh, enjoy grammar. Uh, I always thought it was incredibly boring and hated grammar uh, until I started studying my Bible. Then I found out why Mrs. Carlson was trying to teach me all of these things. Words mean things. Amen? One of the great problems in our society today is no one understands what anyone else says. Uh, I mean, we have people who speak different languages. That's one thing. At least you can translate and it can be understood. Uh, But we have uh, different dialects and everything. I saw a t-shirt advertised, Jesus is my homie. And I'm, I'm sorry, I have purposely purposefully designed my life not to be a part of pulp, pop culture. Boy, say that five times real fast. I had to go find out what a homie was. I had a few ideas, but all of them were wrong. And by the way, Jesus will never be anybody's homie. He is God. There's a difference. God is not your buddy. God is not here to help you through your problems. One of the most misunderstood verses in the whole Bible is right here. In this passage right here, verse 4, it says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. How many times have you heard somebody said, well, if you if you love the Lord over here, He'll give you everything you want over here. That is so wrong that I'm not even going to address it. That's not what God is about. In this passage, He is going to give commands. When the... Uh, the, grammar, the grammatical term is you understood. The first word says, fret not. Well, who or to whom is this addressed? Who is the one that's not supposed to fret? The person reading or singing the psalm. You. But we don't put the you in there because it's understood that this is not... 
a request. This is not a statement of what might be, could be, should be. This is a command from the person writing the psalm to the person reading it, saying this is what you are supposed to do. Now in Sunday school we talked about complaining and we had everybody raise their hand that complained and of course everybody raised their hand because it is in human nature to complain about things. How many of you worried about something this week? Every hand should go up, shouldn't it? Because we all do, don't we? You see, some people get the idea that the Bible's here to make us perfect and we'll just be wonderful people. No, the Bible's here to show us. And I'm just going to put it very plain, what a mess we are. So that we'll go to the person that can fix it. Amen? Only Jesus can change your life. The church cannot change your life. That's not what church is designed for. This is a place where messed up people come and find Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then we struggle together to serve the Savior who straightened out our mess. Amen? And by the way, he has to do that over and over and over and over again because we mess up over and over and over again. So I've had people oftentimes say, Pastor, I can't live the perfect life like the Bible talks about. And my answer is always, welcome to the human race. We get this idea that somehow that everything is supposed to be perfect and we just walk through life with a smile on our face and nothing bad ever happens. But that's a lie. Amen? Hello? I mean, that's not a very positive note, but let's be honest today. You can't be honest in church. Where are you going to be honest? And the, there's a lot of commands in this passage. And I, I want us to look through them. Number one, it says, fret not thyself. Don't be worried about things. How many of you have ever seen someone play a violin or a guitar or one of those stringed instruments? Well, they have that board where the strings run over. It's called a fret board. And as you put pressure on the string, the note goes higher. Does that sound like what happens to your voice when a little pressure gets put on your life? We just take it up a notch, we say. We, we use a phrase. I don't know how this will interpret for the deaf. Uh, just strung a little too tight. And it all comes from this idea of fretting. As you go down the fretboard, the notes get higher and higher because there's more tension on the string. And as we go through life, different things happen and the tension grows and so does our emotion and our agita uh, 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 and all of those other names that we have for it. And we just get to the point to where nobody can stand to be around us. Now, I'm the only person here that's experienced that, right? 
It's my wife, of course. No. Uh, it's what we all do in life. We fret ourselves. We just crank it up tighter and tighter. And by the way, who's suffering? You are. And anybody that has the unfortunate privilege to be around you suffers well. Have you ever met somebody that doesn't worry? Somebody told me one time, that's what makes me worry. How can you, how can you not be worried? Well, because the Bible says so. That's why. Now, there's a couple of reasons we're not to get upset. It says, number one, fret not thyself because of evildoers. The world is, always has been, and until Jesus sets up his kingdom, the king of peace, ruling this world from the city of peace, there will always be evildoers everywhere. I remember when I first moved to New York City, I was warned. Don't go down any dark alleys. Don't ride the subways late at night. Always keep one eye over your shoulder. Make sure nobody's following you. I was here just a couple of months, and I used to always carry my tracks in my inside pocket here, uh, little pamphlets from the church that we passed out. And I remember walking down the sidewalk, and a lady was coming up the other way, and I was thinking, I need to give her a track. So I reached into my pocket, and I handed her a track. She was shaking just white. And I'm sitting here going, uh-oh. You see, the track kind of got stuck and I was working on getting it out for about half a second. She was one of those people that had been warned about all the things that are in New York City and thought for sure that a gun or a knife or something, something bad was going to happen. She was so thankful when it was a gospel track. But I sincerely doubt that she ever read that thing. I think she was too scared of how she got it. Isn't that the way we live? Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Are, are we going to add security guards and things because of what happened in that church in Illinois? Somebody said, well, we ought to think about those things. Um, it says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. If we worry about all of the things that bad people can and might do, what time and what energy are we going to have left over to serve the Lord with? Everything, every moment that you sit there and worry, every time you uh, take your life's energy and pour it into one of these things of trying to figure it all out and protect yourself and all of this, you are robbing yourself from the privilege of using that same time and that same energy to enjoy the blessings that God has for those that love Him.
Is God bigger than fill in the blank? Uh, yes, He is. Amen? We can trust God, and if I'm trusting God, I don't have to be worried about the evildoers. The more I worry about the evildoers, the less, the less I have to spend my time trying to figure out what God wants me to do with my life. Now, the next one is this week's newspaper. It says, Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. I mean, everybody was mad. Everybody was, how, how do they live like kings and live in this penthouse while their people lost everything? I mean, how much did, I got so sick I just turned the radio off. The problem is they're envious. Wish I could have money like Bernie Madoff did. Wish I could have all that money and not have to worry about things. I'm glad I have enough of a conscience that I couldn't steal people's money and not worry about it. Amen? I mean, stop and think about this thing. What kind of mess, what kind of emptiness has to be in this man's soul to be able to do this for so long? There are a lot of people that really enjoyed the presidency of Bill Clinton for one simple cause. He got away with it. Can I ask you, did he get away with it? Is there anybody less important in American politics today than Bill Clinton? I mean, would you ask his advice on anything? Stop and think about this. It always looks like the bad guy's getting away with it, doesn't it? Did John Gotti get away with it? Did he? When I was in Bible college, I used to drive past the prison that he died in on my way to work every day. I'll tell you what. Now, he wasn't there back then. He was 20-some years ago. He was the Dapper Don. But he died like any other prisoner. I'll tell you what, don't be envious when the wicked get away with it. Don't waste your life getting upset because somebody got something that isn't rightfully theirs. We have something we call fairness. The thing I like to say about fairness, if Bill Gates is intelligent enough to understand that nothing in life is fair... And you say, well, Bill Gates is a really smart man. How many of you have a Windows-based computer? If he's so smart, how come you have to restart it every five minutes because it crashes? Hmm? I'll tell you what, that's why I don't use Windows-based computers, all right? 
I want one that works. There, there is nothing honest, true, or fair about fairness. Stop and think about it a minute. What's fair? Remember what they told you on the playground? Well, Johnny's just uncoordinated. I hope we don't have any Johnnies here that were uncoordinated. I'm not talking about you. I just picked a name out of the air, all right? And, and, and Johnny can't play very well, so we're all going to be very careful and help Johnny feel better about his inability to play. You know what that means? Everybody's got to stop playing to help Johnny. Why don't we get a couple of people that know what they're doing to take Johnny on the side in Johnny's spare time and teach him how to play? Then we can all play together and have fun. Amen? I mean, come on. You've got to think about this thing. Fairness is lowering everybody to the lowest level of capabilities. That's not fair. That's stupid. Some people can do things better than other people can. Let them. All right? There's nothing fair here. It's, listen, it says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Don't be afraid of the boogeyman. He doesn't exist. But how many of you spent worried nights in your room hoping that closet door didn't open all by itself? It happens, doesn't it? Let me tell you, the closet door is not going to open by itself. Now, if your brother figures out how to unlock the door and get out, it might just open, but it's not doing it by itself, all right? Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. You running out there and saying, it's not fair, is not going to stop anybody from doing anything. Look what it says. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass. Now, we don't mow grass here very often in New York City because we don't have any to mow. But what it's talking about is they would let the grass grow for feed for the animals. If you've ever been out in the country and seen them making hay, they cut that grass down and they bundle it up in bales or, or, or different kinds of things today and they feed the animals with it. It says, and wither as the green herb. Now, this is something we might be a little familiar with. How many of you have ever tried to grow a plant in your house? And you forgot to water it. And it turned brown and dry and crispy. And you're sitting there going... I killed it. I only forgot to water it one month. <laughs> they dry up pretty quick, don't they? The Bible says, listen, God is in control. He will take care of the evildoers. Don't you worry about what God is going to take care of. Amen? Because all it does is steal from you. Now, verse 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. Again, this is a command. Number one, don't fret. Don't get yourself all strung up. Don't add pressure. 
to your life. Don't pull the tension up so you can solve a problem that you can't solve. Next, you got to have something positive to do. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now, that's a compound command. Not only are you to trust in the Lord, you must do good. Here's what a lot of people do with the Bible. They say, oh, I believe in trusting in the Lord. It just feels good to hold a Bible in my hand. I trust in the Lord. But I figure out my own taxes. I trust in the Lord, but He's not going to solve that problem at work. I, I trust in the Lord. I went into a store one time and says, In God we trust. All others pay cash. I, I kind of like that. But listen, it says, Trust in the Lord. And, and do good. It says, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Now there's some promises here. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. I've had so many, I've heard so many sermons on over the years. I've talked to so many people, and, and I've been guilty of this on occasion myself. We can solve all the world's problems over a cup of coffee. If our president would only do, it would solve the problem. Well, the problem was they didn't elect me president. They elected some other guy. In fact, they didn't even ask me to run. You know why? Because they don't care. I'm not going to fret myself because of all the other things that are going on here. I'm going to trust in the Lord. The most important thing, and you're going to say, well, you're saying this because you're a preacher. No. The most important thing going on in New York City today is what's going on right here. If the people in this room will stop fretting themselves and start trusting in God and doing good, it'll make a difference. It says, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. We get down to verse 25, uh, I think it is. I have been young, and now am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You know, God takes care of his people. But if you're out there trying to fight fire with fire, God cannot take care of you when you are doing wrong. If you want God to take care of you, trust in the Lord and do good. That's why we're still given to missions. We're not bringing in our funds to try to protect ourselves in the economic downturn. In fact, you know what we've done? we've taken the biggest step forward in our missions giving that we ever have in the history of our church. Because the people want to. Amen? Trust in the Lord and do good. By the way, we've been praying for Brother Fesher up in Vermont. His wife just gave birth Friday morning to their 10th child. Had a few complications. They're having some difficult times. 
Uh, Brother George was there. I talked to him. And I said, Brother George, I said, we've got, we've got some money in our missions account. I said, could we just take Brother Fesher on for support? So I hope you don't mind that uh, we just made the decision and, and we sent him a whole year's of, uh, worth of missionary support. We gave it to him at the church we were in in Canada this week to help them through this difficult time and be an encouragement. Hey, it's there. Let's spend it. Amen. We, we want to be a help. Hey, just trust the Lord and do good. Don't say, well, I can't do anything because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. No, if you have it, do good today. Amen. Now, these are the prerequisites to get to verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And what that verse is saying, it's, there's no dichotomy. There's no separation here. It's not... Delight thyself also in the Lord. God, you know, I really like your Bible. It's a good book. And, and I like church. Preachers sometimes tell some funny jokes and does some silly things. And I just like it. Now, Lord, I need a new car and I need a better paycheck and I need... That is such a lie. The two have nothing to do with each other. If you... Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, let's just take a minute here, and we're not going to get through this whole chapter today, but maybe we'll pick it up next week. But can we take a moment and just think of delight? I don't think Andrew's in here, but every time we mention Golden Corral, his eyes lit up. He said, are they going to be serving steak? And I said, I think so. He said, let's go, let's go. <laughs> he come by and he said, plate number one, plate number two. He and Alberto got into an eating contest yesterday. I don't know if either of them got over it. He said, plate number six. I said, don't you think you're getting a little ridiculous? He said, yeah, I better leave room for dessert. <laughs> that is delight, is it not? It's really enjoying something, not because you have to. You know how we delight in the Lord so many times? It's like an old Model T. You ever seen the, it's got the crank handle on the front? And you go out there and, Okay, I like the Lord. 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 It's running. I like the Lord today. That kind of Christianity doesn't last very long, does it? It's what we call hype. In fact, if the truth were known, it's the exact opposite of verse number one. Instead of fretting ourselves about evildoers, we're fretting ourselves, we're turning up the tension so that we could like the Lord. That's not delight. I've seen what this congregation does when I go up to the good bakery and get a row of cakes for dessert at one of our dinners. It's frightening. Praise the Lord, no one's ever been trampled or hurt getting to the dessert table. 
But I don't care how many cakes I get. There is nothing, nothing left. You know what? That's a good thing. It's good for us to enjoy. But this word delight is what we do when we find whatever our favorite thing is there at the dessert table. That's delight, isn't it? You see, when I can delight, and by the way, this is just as much a command as fret not. It's something you can learn. You have to teach yourself not to get worried and upset and strung too tight about things. Amen? You have to teach yourself, discipline yourself to trust in the Lord by saying, I'm not going to worry about this thing. I'm going to let God take care of it. And you have to train yourself to delight yourself in the Lord. We have acquired taste for so many things, do we not? When we learn to make the Lord Jesus Christ our delight, guess what changes? in here, doesn't it? My desires change all of a sudden. What I want to do with my life changes. And then as my life changes, guess what my desires do? They begin to match up with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then He can give me what He wants. That's what's supposed to happen in a marriage, amen? You have two people who have their own lives and their own plans and their own direction. And they say, we want to make that one. Somebody's going to have to give something up. And let me warn you, if only one person gives things up, there's problems. You might not see them for a while, but they're going to come out. When both people give themselves up to each other, God gives them a marriage together, a life in Christ that he alone can give. That's what this verse is talking about. It is merging, not merging, I'm sorry. It is throwing away. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things my wife give, gave up. She had changed her last name. She had stopped traveling with her family. They went church to church. I praise God that she was willing to give those things up. Listen, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, that's what opens the door for Him to change the desires of my heart. And the things that I once wanted are no longer important. It's what Christ wants. That's what is important. Look at verse 5. The next command is right here. And it's connected to verse 4. There's a whole list of them here. And we'll try to just read through them. I don't think we'll have time to deal with them all. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth 
wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For so evil for evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. There's a whole list of things right here. What I want us to get a hold of this morning, if we could, is we live in a world of worry and fret and agitation and anger and frustration. That's what the world is all about, is it not? That's what you experience every day you go to work because you work with a lot of other people that are going through life. And they're experiencing the same frustrations. And the Bible says, fret not thyself. Don't be worried. If I could just give one other example here. I remember the first time I moved to New York City. Uh, we, I was worried about all those things we talked about earlier. And then I met Brother Nielsen. And, and Brother Nielsen said, listen. I go where I want to go when I want to go because I need to go there and I'm not worried about it. I said, I want to get some of that. (laughs) And I found out that one of the things that makes you pray to these evildoers who are out there is when you exhibit fear. Isn't that true? You walk around going, Hope nobody's following me. Guess what? Somebody's going to follow you. You've just made yourself a target, have you not? Do you think God understood about New York City when he had David write these words? You know why? Because it worked the same in Jerusalem. Uh, It worked the same in the wilderness as David was fleeing from Saul. It works everywhere because people are people. When they see fear... They take advantage of it, don't they? When you're trusting in the Lord, it's much more difficult for someone to hurt you. And if they do, there's lots of verses in the Bible that if I'm trusting the Lord and doing good, that I could trust the Lord with the wicked things that other people want to do in my direction. I can just trust God and keep doing good. That brings me to delight myself in the Lord. I've committed my ways to the Lord. I remember praying and praying and asking churches to pray for years and years that there would be such a thing called the Open Door Bible Baptist Church in Astoria because there wasn't one before October of 1992. And it wasn't really until the year 2000 that our church was able to actually start standing on our own two feet and paying our own bills and telling the churches that have been helping us all those years that, that you can take that help and start working toward another church. Praise God. We're, we're moving in the right direction. I, I believe God wants a church right here in Astoria. Amen? And don't worry about our wall. We'll get that fixed eventually. I think the Lord wants it fixed too. But it's going to take a while, so just be patient. And if you have a few free hours, men, come by and see me. We'll put you to work. Amen? But 
as we are, it says, commit thy way unto the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring thy forth thy righteousness. How many of you'd like to be closer to the Lord tomorrow than you are today? How many of you'd like this year to be a year that draws you closer to God? Well, if you're going to be closer to God, you have to have more righteousness in your life. By the way, there's only one place in the universe you can get righteousness. It's not in your heart. It's from God. You have to borrow it until we get to heaven and he gives us a glorified body that will be permeated with righteousness. Until that time, we have this thing called a sin or human nature that we have to deal with that is permeated with sin. And we've got to enjoy the struggle that is there. But it says, listen, if you will commit your way unto the Lord, He's going to bring it to pass. He's going to do things that is according to His desire. You've got to line your desires up with His and He's going to move you in that direction. And when He does, He's going to change your life. See, this is a problem with a lot of religion today. They center in on the changed life. And that's where they end. They make it an end in and of itself. God does not want to change you just so you can be happy. He wants to change you so your life can be used serving Him and that will make you happy whether you want to be or not. Did you get that? You see, selfishness is the most sure way to a miserable life. Isn't it? You, you want a miserable life, just think about you. You're going to be miserable. I promise you, you will be miserable. But if you'll delight yourself in the Lord and watch Him give you the desires that He has placed in your heart and He brings things to pass, then you can get to verse 7. And it says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Resting is a wonderful thing, is it not? Resting is when someone else is doing the work. Don't worry, I think they'll survive. We've, we've got just a little bit more here and we'll be done. Let's get back to the message if we can. But these are the commands. And by God's grace, we'll pick up here and we'll just work on through this psalm next Sunday morning. But here's where we're going with this. Every one of us has broken verse 1 in this past week. We've worried about things. We've fretted. We've fretted about evildoers. There's something in the soul of each one of us here that says, boy, I'm glad Madoff is finally getting his. Hey, wait a minute. That's not helping any of the people he hurt. Not one little bit. Let's trust in the Lord and do good. Amen. Let's put our energy to doing what is right. By the way, is this right to do? 
This is your Bible reading schedule. You say, Pastor, I don't have one of those. Um, see Brother Dave at the end of the service, and we'll make sure you get one. Amen? But I can't catch up. Well, don't worry about catching up. Just do today what you're supposed to do today. Amen? This is some... The bulletin board, I think, is still out there. Read every line in 2009. We're going to leave that up all year. We, really, we want to make this a year when we read through the Bible. As a church, as individuals, it's important. How do you know what the difference between good and evil is? Read what the Bible says. It'll tell you. God's Word. Amen. That's good. Guess what? Being in church, that's good. Amen. Coming back for prayer meeting Sunday night. That's good. It really is. Trust in the Lord and do good. Passing out tracts during the week. Guess what? That's good. Amen. Praying that God will give you enough courage to tell somebody about Jesus. Say, I don't, I don't know how to tell anybody about Jesus. Are you saved? How did you get saved? Well, just tell somebody what happened to you. Amen? You say, they're going to ask me all kinds of questions that I can't answer. That's where I come in. Say, listen, I can't answer all your questions, but if you'll you'll just be willing to talk to my pastor, your pastor, I'm not going to talk to him. I don't have any more questions. See, it works. There's a lot of not losing your temper and screaming at your coworker, even though they desperately deserve it. That's good. Amen. There's a lot of good things we can do. And as we do those good things, that causes us to delight in the Lord. He changes our desires then he gives us those new desires which draws us closer to him. And that's where the righteousness comes out. The closer you get to Jesus, the more holy your life has to be. It can't be any less. I've talked to many people who have many problems over the years, and that's part of the job as a pastor, and I I want to do that. And one of the things I often tell them is simply, would you have a problem with that if Jesus were sitting right beside you? Would you be afraid if Jesus was holding your hand? The Bible says that when you trust Jesus as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit of God takes residence Inside of you. I love that little song, My Sins Are Gone. Amen, the kids sang. Isn't that a beautiful song? You need to stop and remember that every once in a while. Like about a hundred times a day. Amen? Let's just have a moment here. Just want to give you a couple of things to act upon. Number one, are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If you do, 
Every command in this psalm is for you. Stop worrying about the evildoers and what they're doing. Do, you've got to trust in the Lord and do good. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Commit thy ways unto Him. Rest in the Lord. Those are the things that we've got to be working on. And by the way, you say, won't I ever get this thing solved? Yeah, when you get to heaven. Amen. Until then, you've got to work on these things. If you're here today and you're not saved, I would plead with you. Would you let someone take this book called the Bible and show you how you can know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Jesus paid the price for every sin. Salvation is not in the church. It's not in baptism. It's not in taking the Lord's Supper or communion or any of those things. Salvation is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you can delight yourself in Him and He'll give you the desires of your heart because He'll change them. Amen. You want to know the Savior. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not sure I even know whether I'm saved or not. Would you just give the opportunity for us to take the Bible and show you? It's a decision you must make as an individual. No one can make it for you. You must make it for yourself. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just want to give you an opportunity to work in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, if a person is here today and they're not saved, there's no way that they'll be able to fulfill any of these commands that are in this wonderful psalm. We pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to work in their hearts and to convict them of their need of a Savior. Lord, we pray for those that are here today that are saved, that have obeyed you in baptism and church membership. Lord, just because we've been obedient in these things in our lives does not exempt us from fretting and worrying and not trusting in the Lord. Lord, we pray that we would not be soon shaken by all the things going on around us, but that our trust would be in the Lord, that our delight would be in the Lord, that it would not be some contrived thing that we do and play games with our own mind and heart to make ourselves feel like we delight in the Lord but that you would take and do that work deep within our soul to make us delight in the Lord. The greatest treasures of this life are found in obedience to God. We ask that you would take this time and convict and work in our hearts and show us the things that need to be laid aside that we may see these blessings in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.